As we get started on today's episode, I wanted to remind the listeners that they can always check out some free resources on my website, urbanpuritano.com. That's Urban Puritan with an O after the N, dot com. It reflects my bilingual, bicultural interests as far as dark predestinarian ruminations are concerned. But in any case, please check out urbanpuritano.com for some blog articles and a hub for this podcast. I hope that it blesses you. And if you so desire, please keep me on your prayer list so that these resources can continue to come forth. I don't mind if you share them, if you use them, if you take it and run with it like a baton and use it in your local church, teaching ministry there or with family and friends. So keep it locked on urbanpuritano.com. Welcome to Urban Puritano. On today's episode, we scratch the surface on a classic allegory of the Christian life according to good old-fashioned classical Calvinism. The Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. The edition I'll be reading from is The Young Reader's Christian Library, published by Barber Publishing. It's a small illustrated version that I probably picked up at Half Price Books. Gird your loins and stay tuned for an educational and edifying episode that can serve as a springboard for other unabridged editions of this important and delightful book. All Christians are urban Christians. Whether you live in Graceville, Florida, or Chicago, Illinois, the believer is on a pilgrim's journey from the city of destruction to the celestial city. As we endeavor to live unto God in this world, our faith looks for the city which is to come, whose architect and builder is the living God. You are not alone on your journey. As you travel the narrow way, know that a great cloud of witnesses went before you. Many travel alongside you, and while the Lord tarries, many will follow the same path after you. But until the heavenly city is brought to us, or we to it, one such pilgrim is your fellow traveler. He is Urban Puritano. Chapter 1 Christian Falls The man stood in the field outside the city of destruction and cried out in terror, What shall I do? His clothes were ragged, and his back was bowed, as if with a heavy load on his shoulders. He was reading a book, and what he read made him weep and tremble. His name was Christian. That night at home, he tried to hide his anguish from his family, but could not. He burst out, We are doomed. I have learned that unless we escape this city, we will all be burned by fire from heaven. His wife and sons were astonished. You have taken a fever, said his wife. Go to bed now. Sleep will settle your wits. But Christian could not sleep. He tossed and he turned. In the morning he said, 
I am worse yet, and this burden is even heavier. And this went on for many days. Christian's friends, even his family, scorned him. He has gone out of his mind, they said. So he spent his days alone, walking in the fields, reading in his book, sometimes praying, sometimes weeping. One day as he stood reading, he cried, What shall I do to be saved? Just as he said this, a man, tall and strong, walked up to him. My name is Evangelist, said the man. What troubles you so? Oh, sir, said Christian, I have read here that because of the bad things I have done, I will die and be punished forever. Evangelist then handed Christian a roll of paper. On it was written, Fly from the wrath to come. Which way? cried Christian. Follow the light there, said Evangelist, pointing across a wide field. You will come to a wicked gate. Knock at the gate, and you will be told what to do. Christian saw a light shining far away where the man pointed. Now he began running toward it. At last he felt some hope. Come back, fool, came a cry from behind. Now two men from the city, whose names were Obstinate and Pliable, caught up with Christian and grabbed him by the arm. We saw you running away, they said. We have come to bring you back. Never, said Christian. You live in the city of destruction, which will be destroyed by fire. I go to find life. And Christian told them of things promised in the book he had, of a life that lasts forever, a life free to all who flee the coming destruction. You have lost your wits, crazy fool, said Obstinate, and he turned back. But Pliable said, If this life indeed be true, then I would seek it with you. And so they set out together. As they walked, Christian read to Pliable from the book, There is a kingdom that will last forever, and we will live forever in that kingdom, wearing crowns of glory and clothes that shine like the sun. The men grew eager for these things, and as their eagerness grew, they began to fear that something evil was following them and would catch them before they reached this kingdom. They began to run. Suddenly, they stumbled into a bog and began to sink. Pliable struggled desperately to the side and dragged himself out. So, this is the life your good book promises, he snarled. Well, not for me. And he turned back to the city. Christian sank deeper in the mire. The load on his back was dragging him under. Just as the bog closed over his head, he felt a strong hand grab his arm, and he was pulled out onto the dry ground. Christian stood dripping filthy mud and looked into the kind face of his rescuer. My name is Help, said the man. This bog is called the Slough of Despond. It is the dumping place of all the fears and doubts of people who are lost in sin. If you look hard, you will see steps through it that the king has placed there. But watch carefully. Christian did watch carefully then, and crossed the bog safely. As he went on, he met another man, Mr. Worldly Wiseman from the town of Carnal. And where are you going? 
and why so bent over, as if with a heavy load, asked the man. Christian told him of his journey, and of the man evangelist who sent him. Fah, said wise man, evangelist, his is the hardest road to follow. Come, I will show you a way that is easy, and where many pleasures await you. Mr. Wiseman pointed to a high hill where lived Mr. Legality in the city of morality. His is the first house you come to. He will ease that burden off you. Christian eagerly set out for this hill, but as he started to climb, his burden grew heavier and heavier. Then suddenly, flames shot out at him from the hill. He fell down in terror. Christian, why have you come this way? came a voice. There stood Evangelist, untouched by the flames as they lashed around him. So Christian told him of Mr. Worldly Wiseman and Mr. Legality. Evangelist said, Listen to what the Lord says. Try to enter the narrow gate, because that way leads to life. All other ways lead to death. Mr. Legality only leads you away from the one place where you can leave your burden, which is your sins. That place is the cross. Chapter 2 Christian Finds Grace Christian repented for having turned out of the way. He felt ashamed for having taken Mr. Worldly Wiseman's advice. Now he went along, not speaking to anyone he met, until finally he reached the wicket gate. Over the gate was written, Knock, and the door will be opened to you. So Christian knocked. Soon a man came to the gate. I am goodwill, he said. What do you wish here? Sir, said Christian, I came from the city of destruction to escape the wrath that is coming, and I want to know if you are willing to let me in. With all my heart, said Goodwill. But as Christian stepped up to the doorway, Goodwill quickly grabbed him and pulled him through. Goodwill pointed to a dark castle on the nearby mountain. That is the castle of Beelzebub, he said. The evil beings there shoot arrows at those who try to enter here. Now Goodwill asked Christian of his journey. Christian told him of the troubles he had met with on the way, of Pliable and how he had turned back, of Mr. Morality and the hill where Mr. Legality lived, and of the fire that stopped him from going farther. That hill has brought the death of many who turned aside, said Goodwill. But happily you have escaped. Now look, there is your road, he said, pointing to a straight, narrow path. There are many turnings wide and crooked, but your way must always be on the straight and narrow. Go now, said Goodwill. Soon you will come to the house of the interpreter. He will help you understand many things about your journey here. Sir, said Christian, I still carry this burden. Will you help me off with it? You must carry that yet, said Goodwill, until you come to the cross. Then Christian said goodbye to Goodwill and started on the narrow road. Soon he came to the house of the interpreter and knocked on the door. Come in, said the interpreter. I will show you things that you will need to know. The interpreter lit a candle and led Christian into a parlor where the floor was covered with dust. A man came in and began to sweep. As he swept, 
the dust flew about the room so that Christian could hardly breathe. Now bring the water, said the interpreter. A girl entered, sprinkled water about the room, then swept it clean. Now I will tell you what this means, said the interpreter. This parlor is the heart of a person lost in sin. The dust is his sin. The sweeper is the law, which stirs up but cannot clean. The water is the gospel, which washes the heart clean. Then the interpreter brought Christian to a fireplace. A man stood there in a rage, throwing buckets of water on the fire. But with each dash of water, the fire only burned brighter. Now the interpreter took Christian behind the wall, where a man stood throwing fuel on the fire. What does all this mean? asked Christian. This fire is the work of grace in a person's heart, said the interpreter. The man trying to quench the fire is the devil. The man fueling the fire is Christ, who always keeps alive every work he begins in a person's heart. The interpreter showed Christian many other things before he sent him on his way again. Never let anyone lead you off the path, said the interpreter. Their way leads to death. And remember, the Comforter, God's own Spirit, will guide you through any hard places you come to on your journey. Chapter 3 Pathway to House Beautiful Christian left the house of the interpreter and started up the narrow road. His going was slow because of the load on his back. Before long, he came to a grassy hill. On it stood a wooden cross. Christian stopped. He started to wonder at the cross. Suddenly, the heavy load on his back slid off and tumbled downhill. His burden was gone. Christian felt so light. Tears filled his eyes as he thought of the one who had hung on that cross for him. He has taken my heavy load by his sorrow, Christian said weeping. As he stood there, three men appeared. They shone like the sun. Peace to you, said the first. Your sins are forgiven. The second gave Christian new white clothing. The third gave him a roll of paper. This is written for you, he said. It will bring help to you when you are troubled. Now the three men left Christian. He quickly took off his old ragged clothes and put on the clean new ones. Then he gave a leap for joy and sang a song of praise to the one who had taken his burden. He went on his way. On either side of the road was a wall called Salvation. Christian had not gone far when two men climbed over the wall onto the road just ahead. Their names were Formalist and Hypocrisy. Ho there, called Christian. Where are you going? To Mount Zion, they said where we will find glory for ourselves. Why did you not come in at the gate? asked Christian. It is written, anyone who does not enter the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. Bah, they said. That way is much too hard. We chose an easier way. But won't the Lord of the city call you trespassers when you come there? If you were not invited in at the gate, said Christian, you were invited, they sneered. We climbed in. Now we are both here, and how are you better than we? I am a guest here, said Christian. You are trespassers. 
They laughed at him. Christian went ahead on his way, and they followed. Now the road went up a steep hill called Difficulty. At the bottom was a spring. Christian drank deeply. Feeling refreshed, he started the long climb. But the two men behind him turned away when they got to the hill. Why bother with this long, hard climb, they said. Let us find an easier way. But as they went, they got separated. One wandered lost in a dark forest called Danger. The other in the Mountains of Destruction. They were never seen again. The hill of difficulty was so steep that Christian had to climb on his hands and knees. About halfway up, he came to a level spot with shade set up for weary travelers. Exhausted, he lay down and fell asleep. The sun dropped in the sky. The day passed, and still he slept. As he dreamed, a hand shook him, and a voice said, Sleepy one, be wise like an ant. Awake! Christian, startled awake, climbed the rest of the way up the hill. Then he went on. Suddenly he froze. From somewhere ahead came a scream of terror. Then two men, timorous and mistrust, burst past him and scrambled down the hill he had just climbed. Go back, they cried. Two huge beasts lie in the path before you. They will tear you to pieces. Trembling, Christian peered ahead in the growing darkness. What should he do now? Suddenly, Christian remembered the roll of paper the Shining Man had given him. It will help you in your troubles, he had said. Christian reached for it, but it was gone. Horrors, thought Christian. He must have dropped it on the climb. The only thing to do now was turn back. He slowly, painfully climbed down the hill. As he went, he searched for the roll. Oh, why did I sleep, he moaned. Now I am done. At last, he came to the shady area, and there on the ground was the roll. Now he felt new strength. He began to climb again. But by the time he had reached the top, night had fallen, and the beasts lay ahead. Clutching his roll tightly, he walked on in the darkness. The wild beasts hunt at night, he thought. This is the end of me. Just then, a huge shape loomed out of the darkness. Terrified, Christian could only stare at it, waiting. Then he realized what it was. A castle. Maybe he should stay there tonight. But as he went forward, he just saw ahead, on either side of the road, two huge lions, still as statues. Christian turned to run, but a voice stopped him. Do not fear the lions. They are chained. They are there to turn back those who have no faith. Stay in the middle of the path, and you will not be harmed. Christian crept past the lions as he was told. Though they roared terribly, they could not reach him. Soon as he was past them, he came to the castle. I am watchful, the porter said the voice. This house was built by the Lord of the Hill. It is for the rest and safety of weary pilgrims. Welcome. The porter brought Christian into the castle. There he met three sisters, Prudence, Piety, and Charity. They brought some food and sat down to eat with Christian. 
As they ate, they talked about his journey and of the peoples he had met. Then they talked of the Lord of the hill, the one who had built that castle. The Lord, said the sisters, had made princes of many poor pilgrims, and because of his great love, he had died on the cross for them. They talked late into the night. Christian rested there for several days. When the time came for him to leave, the sisters brought him some weapons that the Lord had made. A sword, a shield, a helmet, a breastplate, a belt, and shoes that never wore out. These are for your protection against any evil you meet on your way, the sisters said. Goodbye, Christian. Chapter 4 Through the Valley of Humiliation and Death now Christian's way went down into the Valley of Humiliation. He passed slowly through meadows and fields of lilies. Then suddenly, the sun was blotted out for an instant. Christian looked, just in time to see a huge monster drop out of the sky onto the road. The monster was covered with scales. He had wings like a dragon's, feet like a bear's, and a head like a lion's. He breathed fire and smoke. I am Apollyon, the beast said. Where do you come from, and where are you going? I come from the city of destruction, and I'm going to the city of Zion, said Christian, his voice trembling. You are from my country, said Apollyon. I am the prince and god of that place. You are in my service. Do not go any farther. You must return. I serve another prince now, evil one said Christian, and I will not turn back. At this, a wicked light flared in Apollyon's eyes. He spread his wings. You will die here, he screamed. He hurled fiery darts at Christian, one after the other. Christian stopped the darts with his shield and drew his sword. He fought back with all his strength. The battle lasted for hours. Christian was bloodied and weary. Finally, he stumbled and the sword flew out of his hand. In a flash, Apollyon was on him, but Christian grabbed his sword and thrust up furiously, and his blade struck scaly flesh. Apollyon screamed in pain. He flew off, spouting fire and blood. The battle was over. Christian sank to the ground, praising the Lord. In all these things we have complete victory through him who loved us, he said. Now as he lay panting and bleeding, a hand appeared holding leaves from the tree of life. The hand touched his wounds. They were healed instantly. Now as Christian went, he kept his sword in his hand. He crossed the valley with no more trouble. But as night fell, he came to another valley. This was the valley of the shadow of death. What Christian saw before him made a cold sweat break out on his forehead. The road was very narrow here. On one side was a ditch that looked bottomless. On the other side was a black, evil-smelling swamp. Here, Christian's sword would do him no good. He prayed aloud as he went forward. Now, from out of the pit came fire that licked across the path, and from out of the night came terrible voices. All around him, they howled and screamed. The voices, like demons from hell, 
came nearer and nearer. At last Christian cried, I will walk in the strength of the Lord. Suddenly, the night was still, and Christian went on. Chapter 5 Christian Meets Faithful Morning came. Christian had passed through the valley. Now he turned to look back. In the morning light, he saw clearly the place he had gone through. Only by the Lord's strength, he said. He has turned the shadow of death into morning. The road now went up out of the valley. As Christian climbed, he saw someone ahead of him. It was Faithful, a man from Christian city. Christian called to him and ran to catch up with him. The two went on together, glad of each other's company on so lonely and difficult a journey. I would have followed you when you fled the city, said Faithful, but you were too far ahead of me, so I came this way alone. Though everyone there was talking fearfully of the city's being burned, no one would come with me, and Christian and Faithful talked of their journeys. Faithful told Christian of the many people he had met, all of whom had tried to make him turn back. Some of their names he remembered. Deceit, discontent, shame, pride, arrogance. What did you say to them? asked Christian. That nothing they could say, no riches they could promise, would make me go back, said Faithful, because this is the path the Lord has set for me. I told them that a poor man who loves Christ is richer by far than the greatest man in the world who hates him. And I told them that those who become fools for the kingdom of heaven are the wisest of all. Then Christian told Faithful of his many adventures. Soon they saw a man ahead of them. He was tall and from a distance looked handsome. But as they came to him, Faithful saw something in his face that he did not like. Hello, said Faithful to the stranger. Are you going to the heavenly country? I am, said the man. Then let us go together, said Faithful. Very good. As we go, we can talk of good things. And what better things are there to talk about than God? I begin to like you very much, friend, said Faithful. As they talked, Faithful grew amazed at the man's knowledge of things good and evil. But now Christian pulled Faithful aside. Do you not know who he is? he asked. His name is Talkative. He comes from our own city. He speaks fine words and likes to appear a friend to everyone. But those who know him are afraid to turn their backs to him. He is full of lies and trickery. He preaches religion in his church. But among the drunken thieves at the alehouse, he is the worst. Beware of him. Faithful was astonished at hearing this. But he speaks truthfully of the kingdom of heaven, of the good book, and of the religion, he said. His religion is on his tongue, not in his heart, said Christian. People say of him, a saint abroad and a devil at home. Remember, saying is not the same thing as doing. I believe you, my friend, said Faithful. I will test this man with a question. So he said to Talkative, Sir, tell me, what proof is there of a work of grace in a person's heart? Great knowledge of the gospel, said Talkative proudly. But a person can have great knowledge 
and still no change in his soul, said Faithful. You cannot please God with knowledge only. You must obey him. Remember, the psalmist wrote, Teach me, Lord, the meaning of your laws, and I will obey them at all times. Faithful went on, Another proof of grace in the heart is the sorrow and shame that come on a person for the evil things he has done. And if a person leaves his sins at the cross, the one who died there and rose again will give him joy and peace in place of his sorrow. Have you done this, talkative? asked Faithful. Can your religion stand this test? Talkative's face flushed. His eyes darted nervously. Why are you asking me this, he said. Because I have heard you, said Faithful. I know that outside you look clean, but inside you are full of dirt. Talkative turned and stalked away. You are not fit to talk to, he snapped. His loss is no one's fault but his own, said Christian. You did the best thing you could do for him. You told him the truth. Chapter 6 Vanity Fair The road now led Christian and Faithful through a wilderness of forests and mountains. Here they met one who had shown each of them the way to the gate, Evangelist. Welcome, my good friend, said Christian. A thousand welcomes, said Faithful. And how has it been with you since we last spoke, said Evangelist. So they told him of all the dangers and hardships they had gone through. I am glad that you have been victorious in these things, said Evangelist. Do not lose heart. A crown awaits each of you at the end of your journey here. Now you must hear what I have to say. Soon you will come to a town. You will be taken by enemies. There you must give testimony to the truth. One of you will lose your life for your faith. But that one will gain his reward in the eternal city sooner than the other. Then Evangelist embraced them and left. They continued on their way in silence, each thinking about what Evangelist had told them. Very soon they came to a town called Vanity. This town was built by Beelzebub and Apollyon. There were many things bought and sold there, and many evil men, thieves, murderers, swindlers lived there. As Christian and Faithful walked down the street, they drew many stairs. All along the street were carts of sellers loaded with everything imaginable. Many of the sellers jeered at the two men. Many more called out for them to buy something. A fat, unshaven man spat at Faithful's foot and sneered. What do you buy, stranger, he said. We buy only the truth, said Faithful. The two friends met many more men like this. As the day went on, a crowd gathered against them. We must destroy these two, they whispered. Christian and Faithful were grabbed and taken to the lord of the town. What do you mean causing such trouble in our town, demanded the lord. Who are you, and what do you want here? We are just passing through here, sir, said Faithful. And there has been no trouble here of our making. The lord could tell by the men's clothes and weapons that they were pilgrims and he knew that pilgrims brought only trouble to his town. So he had them locked up in a cage and set in the street where everyone mocked them. But Christian and Faithful kept quiet and did not return the insults 
to their tormentors. Now, there were a few in that town not so bad as the rest. These began arguing with the others, saying they should let the men go. The argument became a fight, and soon the whole street was in chaos. Now the lord of the town was furious. He had the two men beaten and locked in irons. You will die for this latest trouble you have caused, he said. But they did not say a word. The men were brought to trial. They were charged with being enemies to the town's trade of selling and with causing a dangerous division among the men at their fair. These things are against the laws of our prince Beelzebub, said the judge, whose name was Lord Hategood. Faithful answered, We are men of peace and do not make trouble. Those men who came to our defense did so because they believed we were in truth and innocence. And as for your lord Beelzebub, I defy him. He is the enemy of our lord. Three men from the fair, envy, superstition, and pickthink, took the stand and accused faithful of many things. This man is against all our customs, they said. He has spoken evil of our lord and our town. He has said Christianity and our law stood against each other, that our religion is evil, and that our noble prince, Beelzebub, belongs in hell with other enemies of this man's god. Sirs, said Faithful, I have said no wicked thing to anyone. I have spoken only the truth. The truth is, your laws are wrong if they stand against the word of God. And anyone who follows your prince, Beelzebub, is himself an enemy of God. For this, Faithful was condemned. He was dragged outside, whipped, and beaten until he died. But just as the crowd of men were about to cheer at his death, they gasped. A chariot, drawn by two horses, rose up into the sky carrying Faithful. Blessed Faithful, cried Christian, though they killed you, you are alive. Chapter 7 Hopeful joins Christian. After Faithful's death, Christian was locked in the cage again. There he awaited his own trial. But one night an angel came, broke the cage door open, and led Christian out of the town. Christian gave thanks to the Lord and ran as far away as possible from that evil place. The next day he woke and started on his way. He heard a cry from behind and turned to look. A man came running up. I am from vanity, he said. My name is now Hopeful, because by your friend's faith and yours, you gave me hope. I wish to go with you to the Celestial City, and there are many more like me in the town who, sooner or later, will take this road too. My friend died for his faith, said Christian. You have risen from his ashes and are now my companion. Welcome, friend. They embraced and set out together. About midday, Christian and Hopeful came to a small hill called Lucre. In that hill was a silver mine. In front of the mine stood a man who called to them. Ho, gentlemen, he said. Come, I wish to show you something. In this mine is a treasure in silver. For a little digging, you can be rich men. Let us go see, said Hopeful. He started to go. No, said Christian, grabbing Hopeful. I have heard of this place. Many have gone to this mine seeking treasure and have fallen into a pit, never to be heard of again. 
This man leads men to their deaths. Demas, Christian called, you are an enemy of the Lord's. Your father was Judas, the traitor, and you are no better than he. Be assured that when we come to the king, he will hear of you. And they left him. Soon the two men came to a beautiful river. On the banks were soft meadows and many fruit trees. King David had called this place the river of God. John the Baptist called it the river of living water. No evil could live in this place. The men rested here for several days, drinking from the river and eating fruit from the trees. When they were refreshed, they went on their way. It was not long, though, before the road grew rough and rocky. They began wishing they had stayed by the river. Soon, the road went past a smooth meadow. Christian said, look, there is a path in this meadow that runs alongside the road. It would be much nicer to walk there. So they crawled over the wall that ran alongside the road and went on the meadow. Just then, they saw a man walking ahead on the path. Christian and Hopeful called to the man, Sir, where does this path lead? they asked. To the celestial city, he said. I am vain confidence. Come, follow me. Did I not tell you, said Christian, to Hopeful, we are on the right path. They followed the man for a few hours until night fell. Soon it grew very dark. They lost sight of vain confidence. Suddenly came a scream. Then all was silent. The two friends crept forward in terror. Stop, said Christian. In front of their feet gaped a dark pit. They could not see the bottom. He must have fallen here, said Christian. Now it began to rain. Then thunder boomed and lightning flashed. Oh, why did we go off the road, cried Hopeful. The men wandered in the storm, seeking shelter. At last they found a dry bank under a large rock. They crawled in and fell asleep. That night Christian had evil dreams. He dreamed that he and Hopeful were lost at sea in a storm. The rain beat down on their heads, and the waves smashed them about. He cried out in his sleep, Forgive me, Lord, for turning out of the way. Do not let us drown here. Outside their rock shelter, the rain pounded down and floodwaters rose. The men slept on. Awake, came a terrible voice. Christian and Hopeful were jolted awake. Before them in the pouring rain stood a huge grizzled giant. This is my land, he bellowed. No man comes here. The giant, whose name was Despair, drove them before him to his home called Doubting Castle. There he took them down a long flight of stone steps and threw them into a dank, foul-smelling dungeon. They heard a key turn in the rusty lock. Then all was silent. Many days went by as the two friends sat together in the dark dungeon. They grew weaker and weaker. Suddenly, one day the lock clicked, and the heavy door swung open, and there stood the giant. In his hand was a massive club. He lurched into the room and viciously beat the men. Then he was gone, laughing. Christian and Hopeful had never felt such despair. That night they prayed to God. They had prayed almost a whole night through, when suddenly Christian jumped up. What a fool I am to have forgotten, he said. Look, I have a key called Promise, 
and that will open any door of Doubting Castle. Quickly, he tried it on the lock. The door swung open. The men climbed the stairs and ran to the outer door. It too opened to Christian's key. They were free. They ran and ran until they came to the road again. Chapter 8 The Shepherds and Delectable Mountains After their escape from Doubting Castle, the two friends were hungry, tired, and still sore from their beating. They went slowly along the narrow road. Soon, the road began climbing into some mountains. When the pilgrims reached the top of the first mountain, they found a beautiful land before them. Here were gardens, orchards, vineyards, and fountains of clear, sparkling water. The weary pilgrims ate and drank and rested. As they walked about here, there came a group of shepherds tending sheep. The pilgrims asked the shepherds, what mountains were these? These are the delectable mountains, said one shepherd. These and the sheep on them belong to the Lord. We are within sight of his city here. Then the shepherds, whose names were Knowledge, Experience, Watchful, and Sincere, asked the men about themselves. And when the shepherds learned the men were travelers to the holy city, they said, Welcome. The shepherds invited Christian and Hopeful into their tents and shared their food and drink with them. You may stay here and rest from your travels, the shepherds said. The Lord has made these mountains for travelers such as you. You may sleep in our tents tonight. Tomorrow, we will show you some wonders in these mountains. So the next day, the shepherds took them to the top of a mountain named Caution. Look down into the valley, said one shepherd. The two friends looked and saw far away men wandering blindly among tombstones. The men seemed lost and sometimes stumbled over the tombstones. These men you see are ones who got off the narrow road, thinking they found an easier way, said a shepherd. They were caught by giant despair. That wicked giant put out their eyes and left them here to wander around forever. After this, the shepherds took Christian and Hopeful down a mountainside, deep into a dark ravine. On one side of the ravine was a blackened ancient door. Look inside, said the shepherd. Cautiously, Christian opened the door, and the two men peered inside. At first, they could see nothing, but as they looked, they began to see a fire burning, far away, deep under the mountain. Then came a smell of bitter smoke. Then came deep rumbling sounds. Then came horrible cries of agony and terror. The men shuddered as they quickly shut the door. This is a doorway to hell, said a shepherd. There are many such doors, but this one is where liars and traitors enter. Here went Esau, who sold the birthright the Lord gave him, and here went Judas, who sold the Son of God. Christian and Hopeful looked at each other grimly. The shepherds then brought the two friends to the top of another mountain called Clear. One shepherd took a looking glass out of his cloak and handed it to Christian. Here you can see the gates of the celestial city. If your hand is steady enough to hold this looking glass. Christian looked. He was still shaken by what he had seen and heard through that doorway. 
His hands trembled, and he could see nothing. He held on and gripped tighter. At last, he caught a glimpse of a magnificent pair of gates. The sight was enough to ease his troubled heart. Hopeful looked next, and he too thought he saw the gates. Now the shepherds led them out of the mountains. As they said goodbye, one shepherd handed Christian a note. Read this when you need instructions, he said, and beware of the false one and of the enchanted ground. Chapter 9 Wayward Travelers Confront Christian As Christian and Hopeful went down out of the delectable mountains, they sang for joy. They had seen the gates of the city. The end of their journey was near. The going was easy for a little way. The road went past green meadows and forests. Soon, though, it cut between two rugged cliffs. The pass was so narrow that the men had to walk one in front of the other. The cliffs blotted out all the sunlight. The men went cautiously. Christian stopped. I hear something coming, he whispered. Though they could not tell why, the two friends were afraid. They hid behind a large rock. Suddenly down the path shuffled a group of tall, wiry-haired beasts carrying a bundle that struggled furiously. The beasts had long arms, wicked teeth, and horns on their heads. They carried a man bound with ropes. He writhed in their grasp and begged for mercy. Now the beasts turned off the path, and Christian noticed a sign strapped to a man's back. It read, Apostate, to turn away from faith in God. Then it seemed that the beast disappeared right into the side of the cliff. When Christian and Hopeful finally dared to come out, they crept to the place where the beasts had disappeared. There they saw a narrow cleft in the wall. They went to it and peered in. This was another passage between two cliffs. Ahead on this path was a group of beasts. Then one of them opened a door in the cliff, and they all entered. The two men recognized the door. It was the entrance to hell. Christian and Hopeful got out of that dark place as fast as they could. As they went, they prayed they would meet nothing else in that terrible path. Soon after the men were out of that passage, they came to a fork in the road. Both roads went up a hill. Neither was straighter than the other. Which way do we go? cried Hopeful. The roads look the same. As they were talking about this, a man came to them. He was wearing a white robe with a hood. The two friends could not see his face. If you seek the way to the celestial city, follow me, he said. They gladly followed him. Their way went through a dense forest. As the road climbed, it gradually began to turn. The men did not notice this turning. They were busy picking their way through the briars and thorns that now reached out of the woods across the path. These grew thicker and thicker. Soon, the men could go no farther. Suddenly, a net dropped over them. They were caught fast. The figure in front of Christian and Hopeful then threw off his robe. He was covered with black hair. He laughed through gleaming teeth then disappeared into the dark woods. The two men could barely move. They struggled with the net, but it was no use. We have been tricked, cried Christian. Are we to die here now, so close to the end? 
Just then, another man came up to them. He too wore a white robe, but his robe shone like the sun, and his face was fair. In his hand was a whip. Did the shepherds not warn you of the false one? He asked. The one that led you here disguised himself as an angel of light to deceive you. And did the shepherds not give you a note for your instruction? Why did you not read it when you came to the two roads? The shining one then slashed the net with his whip. It broke like a spider's web, and the two friends were free. Now I must punish you for following the deceiver, said the shining one. This will help you remember to follow the instructions you are given on your journey. He gave each of the men a lash across the back with his whip. Remember, he said, I must sometimes punish those whom I love. Then he led them out of those woods and showed them their road. Though their backs stung from the whip, Christian and Hopeful felt such love for this being that they wept. Thank you for your kindness in rescuing us, Lord, said Christian. The Shining One smiled at them. Go now, he said, and beware of evil counsel. They started up the road. As they went, they sang songs of praises to the Lord. After they had gone some distance, Christian pointed ahead on the road. Look, he said, who could this be? Who is coming away from Zion? Let us be careful of him, said Hopeful. Remember that false one. When the man reached them, he greeted them. My name is Atheist, he said. Where are you going? To Mount Zion, said Christian. At this, the man laughed in scorn. To Mount Zion, he said. In all the world, there is no such place. I once sought the city as you do now. I tell you, I have been seeking for twenty years. Twenty years I have wasted. We have heard of and we believe in such a place, said Christian. Then look for it, fool, laughed Atheist. You will never find it. The Lord himself put us on this path, said Christian. So we walk by faith and not by sight. They turned away from the man named Atheist. He stood laughing at them as they walked away. Soon the road passed through a wide field full of flowers. As far as the men could see, there was nothing but flowers. They walked on and on. Their going became slower and slower. Their feet seemed to grow heavy. Hopeful yawned. Christian, he said, I am so tired I can hardly hold my eyes open. Let us take some sleep here. He sank to the ground. No, said Christian, if we fall asleep here, we may never wake up. What do you mean? asked Hopeful, startled. Remember the shepherd's warning against the enchanted ground. This must be that place, said Christian. This sleepiness is not natural. We must stay awake. He helped Hopeful up. Let us talk to each other to stay awake, said Christian. Tell me how you came to have faith. So Hopeful said, In the town of Vanity, I live like those others you saw at the fair. I love the treasures of the world. As I bought them, I wanted them more and more, and I lived an evil life. But when you and Faithful came there, you appeared clean, where everyone else seemed filthy. And I heard Faithful say, He bought only the truth. Then shame and sorrow began growing in my soul. I began to pray and to weep, but daily I grew worse. The things I once loved, I now hated. I hated even myself. Then Faithful said to me, Just believe in Jesus Christ, and he will set you free. 
so I cried out to him to forgive me. Then I wept, first in sorrow, and then in joy. As the two men talked of these things, their weariness washed away, and so they passed safely through the enchanted ground. Chapter 10 Ignorance Ignores Christian The two men had not gone far when they noticed a man behind them. They called to him, but he seemed not to hear. He came on slowly. The men greeted him and asked him about himself. My name is Ignorance, the man said. I come from the land called Conceit. I am going to the Celestial City. Then join us, friend, said Hopeful. I would rather walk alone, said Ignorance. I will get to the city in my own time. How far have you come on your journey? asked Christian. Not far, the other said. My country is near the Delectable Mountains. I got on this road there. So you did not come in at the gate? The gate? Everyone knows that is a long way off. No, no. Why should I travel that far just to return to the same way? Christian and Hopeful looked at each other gravely. Then Christian said to Ignorance, But because you were not invited in at the wicked gate, you were not given anything to show at the gates to the city. Without some token to show that you are a guest here, you cannot be invited in. I think I can, said Ignorance. I have lived a good life. I pray. I give money to the poor. The Lord will accept me for these things. You cannot gain entrance by the things you do, said Christian. Your own righteousness will count for nothing at the gate. Only those who are made righteous by believing in the Son of God can enter. I know I am righteous, said Ignorance. My own heart tells me so. Christian said, A wise man said, He who trusts his own heart is a fool. That was spoken by an evil heart, said Ignorance. Mine is good. How do you know your heart is good? asked Christian. Because it comforts me with hopes of heaven, said Ignorance. Your heart can deceive you. You may hope for things, and yet have no reason for hope. Because without Christ in your heart, you have no promise, said Christian. But isn't a good heart one that has good thoughts? asked Ignorance. And isn't a good life one that is in obedience to God's commandments? Yes, indeed, said Christian. But it is one thing to have goodness, and another thing to think you do. Why? What do you mean? asked Ignorance. Your thoughts must agree with the word of God, said Christian. If they do not, they are not God's thoughts. And the word of God says, No one, not anyone, is righteous. So if your thoughts tell you that you are righteous, as you say, then your thoughts are not from God. Ignorance seemed confused. Then what would my thoughts be if they were from God? he asked. Your thoughts would condemn you, said Christian, because they would tell you the truth about yourself. And the truth is that apart from Christ, you live in evil. As his word says, every imagination of the heart of man is only evil. Now, when your heart tells you that you are good, you are blinded to the truth about yourself, continued Christian. And in that condition, you cannot enter the city of God. But you say I must believe in Christ, said Ignorance. I do believe in him. What do you believe of him? asked Christian. That he died for everyone, and that he now accepts us if we obey him, said Ignorance. 
This belief of yours is not found in the word of God, said Christian. Ignorance grew angry. What do you mean, he said. Christian explained. This faith is not in Christ, he said, but in yourself. True faith does not come from yourself, but from God himself. We cannot believe in Jesus as we wish to, but only as he really is. And he makes us acceptable to God by his own obedience, not ours. He obeyed God his Father and died on the cross. Now, no one can come to God except through Christ. And only God can reveal Christ in a person's heart. Ignorance stood there, a frown on his face. Christian looked at him with love. Ignorance, he said. If you ask God to show you his son Christ, he will. And Christ will show you your heart as it really is. And when he shows you the evil that lives in your heart, ask for his forgiveness and he will give you a new heart. Then you can enter his city. Chapter 11 Crossing the River to the Celestial City Christian and Hopeful now walked alone. Ignorance still would not go with them. You have your belief and I have mine, he said. You go on your way. I will come along as I wish. And he waited behind until they were out of sight. I pity this poor man, Christian said to Hopeful as they walked. He will come all the way to the gates in his ignorance and not enter. Soon Christian and Hopeful noticed that the land was changing. It was no longer harsh and desolate. Here were flowers and meadows and trees and birds. As the men walked, they saw these things more and more. The sun too grew brighter and brighter. Now they came to fruit trees, gardens and vineyards. Here and there were openings in the wall by the road. These openings led into the gardens and orchards. In one of these gardens stood a gardener. Hello, he said. Welcome to Beulah land. These gardens are the kings, said the gardener. They are for his delight and for any pilgrims who come here. Rest here if you wish. Christian and Hopeful walked among the fruit trees and gardens, delighting in the beauty of the place. They found a vineyard of fat, juicy grapes, sweeter than any they had ever tasted. After eating their fill, they lay down and slept. When they woke, they felt fresh and strong. Just as they had begun to go on, two men in clothes that shone like pure gold met them. We have come to bring you to the city, the men said. You are at the end of your journey, but before you can enter, you must face one more test. Will you go with us to help us? asked Christian. We will go with you, they said, but you must win through this test by your faith. Now they all went on together until they came within sight of the city. It was made of gold and precious jewels. It was so bright that Christian and Hopeful could not stare at it long. There in front of the city were two massive gates made of a single pearl. But before the castle on the mountain was a deep, wide river. There was no bridge. But how do we get across? said Christian. By your faith, said one of them. You will find the water as deep or as shallow as your faith is. Christian went first. He took a few steps, then suddenly sank in up to his chin. Help me, he cried. The water is going over my head. Hopeful stepped into the water. Courage, Christian, he said. See, 
I stand on the bottom. You can too. But Christian floundered in the water. Hopeful reached out to him. Hopeful struggled to keep his friend's head out of the water. I am being punished for my sins, gasped Christian. The Lord wishes to drown me here, so I will not enter his city. Christian, said Hopeful, this is not punishment. It is the test the Shining One spoke of. Suddenly, Christian remembered. The test. Give me faith, Lord, he cried. Then suddenly, his feet found the bottom. Soon, he and Hopeful stood on the other side of the river. Then the two friends started up the long hill toward the city. As they went, crowds of people came down laughing, singing, and dancing to meet them and walk with them. Now Christian and Hopeful sang too. And all the people and all their praises went up the holy mountain into the clouds and into the city of heaven. As they were drawing toward the gate, behold, a company of the heavenly hosts came out to meet them. To this company the Shining One said, These are the men who loved our Lord when they were in the world and have left all for his holy name. There came out also at this time to meet them several of the king's trumpeters, who made heaven echo with the sound of their melodious music. These trumpeters saluted Christian and his fellow with ten thousand welcomes. Thus the pilgrims came to the gate. Then I saw that the Shining Ones bade them call at the gate, and when they did, Enoch, Moses, and Elijah looked over the walls. To them it was said, These pilgrims have journeyed here for the love they bear the king. The pilgrims handed in their certificates, which they had received at the narrow gate. These were carried in unto the king. When he had read them, he said, Where are the men? They are standing outside the gate, he was told. Then the king commanded to open the gates and bring them in. Christian and Hopeful went in through the gate, and lo, as they entered, they were transfigured, and they had raiment put on them that shone like gold. They were also given harps and crowns. I heard all the bells in the city ring for joy, as it was said unto them, Enter ye into the joy of the Lord. I also heard the men themselves sing with loud voices, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb for ever and ever. Lo and behold, ignorance came up to the river. He got over with little difficulty, for vain hope a ferryman rowed him over in his boat. Ignorance likewise climbed the hill and came up to the gate, only he came alone, neither did any man welcome him. When ignorance knocked at the gate, the men who looked over the wall asked, Where did you come from? What do you want? He answered, I have eaten and drunken in the presence of the king, and he has taught in our streets. Then they asked for his certificate. He fumbled in his bosom for one, but he found none. So the angels went in and told the king that ignorance had arrived. But the king spoke, Take him out, bind him hand and foot, and take him away. Then they took him up and carried him through the air to the door that I saw in the side of the hill, and cast him inside. Then I saw that there was a way to hell, even from the gates of heaven. Thank you for joining us at Urban Puritano. 
We look forward to catching up with you on your next stop along your journey to the city prepared by God for all true believers.